I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. G'day, welcome back to Oz Biz Live from our brand new studios. Great to have your company for the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put those stocks to our two experts and uh, we do it all in one hour uh panel today uh is rudy philippic van dyke from fn arena rudy how are you 55 minutes today 55 <laughs> i know we'll blame the previous host yes absolutely. who went late <laughs> absolutely who you know them well so have a stern chat over dinner tonight. Uh, Sean Cartwright from Anadara Asset Management. How are you, sir? Excellent. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, a bit happy. Market's a bit spooked at the moment. Sort of, you, what are you telling clients? Just settle down? Um, we've actually had a really good run uh, the last couple of days. I think as tragic as war is, markets yeah. love war once right. the initial shock's over and we're, we're seeing the oil price was up 5 or 6% this week already. Yeah. Um, I think... Just when yeah. last week it had turned down, everyone was yeah. fearful that that was the start of a downturn? Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I see 150 bucks on oil, so... $150 a barrel? Yep. yep. I'm a bull. Okay. So you're piling into the Woodsides and the Santos uh, on the way? No, we we, uh, we created a structured product uh, about two months ago, right? Um, to give us leverage exposure into the um, into the physical, right? Um, we we the energy transition it's going to be way more expensive and take a lot longer than most people expect, and I think that's going to help the price of oil in the meantime. Right. Okay. So, so what's the what's the product? Uh, so we got one of the banks to take us on, so they. They basically created a derivative for us. Right. Gave us leverage exposure to the price of oil over right. the next couple of years, and ah. I think we're up about forty percent in two weeks, or wow. two months. So, wow, yeah. and plenty more to go. Okay, well, I have to look into that, yeah. Rudy. Sell the rest of the market. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's simple. It's it's at this point in time, it's bond yields. Yeah, it's, it's really that simple. What what uh, what situation Israel has done? It has pushed down bond yields. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, everyone goes like, oh, oversold. So everyone starts buying shares yes, now. But right. this can easily reverse next week. Yep, yep. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's very skittish at the moment, isn't it? All right, let's take a look at the first five stocks we're going to have a look at this half hour. The uh, L1 Long Short Fund, Charter Hall. Uh, Sol Pats uh, with an interesting question from a viewer on it, which has been terrific. When you send in uh, stock suggestions, always put your questions and thoughts next to them because... Um, it gives us a, a great counterpoint and something to to focus the analysis around. Uh, we take a look at Iris and also Nine Entertainment, stock of the day. Um, thought we're a bit light on in resource stocks on the call today, so I thought we'd uh, have a look at Pilbara Minerals. City has upgraded Pilbara to a buy from neutral. The broker's tip lithium prices will track sideways for the next 12 to 18 months. However, remains bullish on the long-term outlook. Uh, 
Uh, target is $4.50 a share. Shares are up by over 4% right now. Um, Rudy, sort of lithium stocks have come off the boil, haven't they, in the yes. last couple of months? And where the lithium price is going. So do you agree with a, an upgrade to I, a buy here? I don't think there are many segments on the share market that are as volatile as, as lithium. Yep. Uh, maybe biotechs without revenue right. would come close. <laughs> um, so a while ago, I, um, I attended a, a conference and there were a few fund managers who, uh, who were in, in lithium stocks. And I think the best advice they gave is to investors is, you know what, you just get in when they're down, you have a long-term view, and you take the volatility on the chin, basically. Right. Um, because, um, I mean, we see so much research, and in particular in the last 10 days or so, uh, just about every analyst worth his salt has, has updated their thoughts on lithium. Yeah. And, and the general consensus seems to be that for the time being, uh, the price is, is probably sideways at best, yep. and there are downside scenarios. As, as City would say, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're not out of the, out of the, the consensus with the rest, uh, but um, you, will, you will find very few analysts who take a medium to longer term view and will tell you that, um, that, that this sector is on the nose. Having said so, not all lithium stocks will be equal. Yep. Uh, and usually the consensus is that uh, either Alcom, uh, which is obviously going to merge with with uh, their US partner yeah. or Pilbara Minerals uh, are usually the the quality ones in the right. sector because um, they're producing now, aren't they? So it's not only that they produce, but it's it's a combination of of the costs, the type of product, and and in Pilbara's case, the reason why people prefer Pilbara is they have more growth under their wings, basically. Mm -hmm. But that's on the assumption, of course, because we're quoting mining stocks here, yep. that's on the assumption that all the plans, all the projects, everything, the financing and, and everything goes going to plan. But as things stand at this point in time, they have the most potential, yep. which also means that even if city is correct and on, on balance, the, the price of lithium in China doesn't move over the next 18 months, they should still have growth because yep. their volumes will increase. And that's what you often see with... So with, they've um, had a bit of a pullback. So this is, if you get on board, this would be would the time get to on get on board. Well, it's not my type of investments. Right. You probably have to look on the other side. But, right. but if you want to... Usually, the, the great investors and commodities always tell you, you buy them when they're down, yeah. and, you, and, you, and you just sit down on, until the, the, yeah. the bounce comes. Because the way these stocks trade, the difference between going down and going up is absolutely yeah. massive. Yeah. And before you know it, the share price can easily double or triple, okay. uh, given that they went down by 40, yeah. 50 percent before that. So, not for you because it doesn't fit your investment no, strategy. But, but if it does, this is the and, time. And, to and buy. given exactly, and given right. the, how the share price has gone, this would be a time to get on board. Okay. Sean, um, look, I agree with most of the points that Rudy just raised. Then, so most you of don't, it, you don't need to be nice. Look, we, um, we've written a couple of white papers on lithium. Every time the big banks come out and say there's an oversupply or yeah. prices are tracking sideways, we've just got data that prove, that suggests otherwise. Um, Morgan Stanley came out and did it in 2017 when lithium mm. was at 16,000 a tonne that fell to 4,000 a tonne. Who was buying all the way down? Morgan Stanley through there. 
doesn't make much sense. Then Goldman's yep. came out and did the same thing last year when lithium was at seven, uh, 70,000 a tonne. Lithium's come off 70% since then, the price. Um, and I was, speaking with, um, I was speaking on this program last week about lithium companies on the ASX. And I don't think most of the explorers and developers will end up going into production. Right. Because um, I think the, the, the marginal produce and I think some of the brines, especially over in Chile and South America, I think there's some question marks right. around how viable those projects are. But when you look at a company like Pilbara Minerals and Alchem, um, their quality, one of the, uh, Pilbara is one of the largest producers in the country. They've got further exploration activities they're working on and their scale. And in some of the research that we put together only uh, a month or two ago, looking at the um, looking at the net zero <coughs> targets that we've set for 2030, if we're to meet those, every lithium project currently known to man, even if they come online in 2030, there's going to be a 55% shortfall in the amount of lithium we need to <laughs> to, to feed these mm. batteries. So when you look at the data, if City are a little bit right and it tracks sideways for a while over the long term there is so much upside i have to put a buy on pilbara at these prices okay but because it's a producer yes you wouldn't be going to the explorers and no. uh, and the pipe dreams down no, the road. I, I think i think if they're cheap enough and you want to toss a coin um we spoke no. about uh azure uh, yep. last time i was on the show um Whenever they have those spectacular runs, I think before they've got their DFS out, I think it's time to maybe take your profits, stick to the producers, Cobra. <coughs> yeah, trading sentiment basically. If you yeah, yeah, absolutely. By the way, are you, are you? What's your view on all those alternative battery technologies that are currently in, uh, in acceleration? Yeah, so the. Uh, we, we actually have a new fund. It's called the Battery Transition Fund, and we are investing in all of those new technologies. I'm, I'm the ideal uh, sidekick here, am I not? Oh, <laughs> have you oh. talked about this earlier? No. No. Uh, right. So uh, I think that is the space to be in. I think yeah. lithium, the price, and you know all of the raw material providers. I think they're there, and I think the market will track those. I think the upside and the opportunity in this space mm. um, is in the new technologies that are going to either improve existing battery technology mm. or completely new battery technologies. Mm. And there are some really exciting things coming. Uh, Red Toyota's uh, battery, at least a battery that has a fourteen hundred k range. Well, sorry. Toyota have just invested $800 million into a dynamic in inductive charging company. So right. that's where you effectively, they build charging plates into the highway right. and your yeah. car will charge as it's driving. So there'll be lanes on freeways with oh. charging lanes. Right. So how does that benefit? Much smaller batteries required in the cars, therefore mm. the cars aren't scrapped after seven or eight years. Right. You get to, you might be able to replace oh. the batteries. So. Well, I sat next to a bloke at a rugby lunch a couple of months ago who just bought a chain of tyre franchises because he said um, EV vehicles are so much heavier yep. than every other car. They're going to go through tyres like nobody's business. Yeah. So that's how he's thinking laterally about it. Want to play? I don't know. It's yeah. Not. All right. Uh, let's go over the stocks. You want us to have a look at Richard wants a view, Sean, on the L1 Long Short Fund listed investment company. Yeah. What do you think? Um, so look, we don't really follow the fund listed fund managers. Um, 
But if you were looking for a listed long short fund, I think L1 is probably the one that you would want to be in. Um, now, long short, of course, for those people who don't know, you know, they short the market at different yeah. times as well. So they use uh, both ends of investing. Yeah. So um, to be able to short, you're effectively classified as a hedge fund um, yeah. as defined by ASIC. And it gives you the ability to profit when the market falls. Yeah. Um, L1, they've been around for quite a long time. It was founded by David Feldman in um, New York, who's a really, really smart guy, and he's got a good set of operators in Australia. Um, I think they're a relatively active fund manager and they turn their portfolio really, really frequently. I was just having a look the other day. Um, and over the long term, they've tended to have performed relatively well. Um, and they, their, their performance is significantly departed from the indexes as well. Look, it's a hold if you're in there. I mean, I'm not a buyer, but if you're looking for a long short ASX listed fund, I think this is probably the one to be uh, in. The better one, okay. Yeah. Rudy? I have a slight different view. Uh, first of all, I, I don't, unless you have a specific strategy, I don't really see the point of, of buying a listed vehicle that essentially is a leverage of the market itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, there's different strategies, but why I probably have a little bit of criticism is, see these guys invest in Australian shares, and then they also have the opportunity to invest globally, which is fine, I mean, if that's your, if that's your strategy. But then they compare their, their performance against the ASX 200. That's where I get a little bit of a problem. Uh, right. And I go like, ASIC, why are we not complaining about this? Now, they're, they're definitely not the only one doing it, but the, the, the main thing I would say to people, if you are interested in buying fund managers or listed managers or hedge fund or whatever, have a closer look at what benchmark they pick. Because there are some out there that actually pick the, the RBA cash rate. I mean, um, and that's very easy to beat in, in general. It's, mm. it's also very easy to beat the ASX when you have the luxury <coughs> of adding Nike or Alibaba right. in the good times in your portfolio. Yeah. And I'm not so sure whether you should then compare yourself to the Australian share market. Okay. The other thing which I would, would say is, I mean, a lot of fund managers have, very, have, have problems in sustainably beating the index over a long period of time, and they charge on average higher costs. So if, if you have the index, which you can do via a cheap ETF, you are beating 80% of the fund managers. Right. Uh, and in this case, I, I'm almost very confident if you had the, the ETF of, of the NASDAQ in the US, for example, you would have beaten the performance of this, of this right. particular manager. Okay. So it all depends, like, what do you want exactly? And I find yeah. this a little bit of a odd duckling in, in, in the whole spectrum. And um, I mean, I'd rather buy companies instead of companies that are leveraged on, on the market itself. Sure. Yeah. So not for you? No. No. Okay. All right. Philip wants a view on Charter Hall. Now, often Charter Hall's REITs come up here on the call, particularly the Long Whale Fund, the Charter Hall Retail REIT. This is the manager who manages all of those REITs. So it clips the ticket. Uh, this is where your management fees go from the REITs up to Charter Hall. Yeah, and um, I'm a big fan of Goodman Group. Yep. And in, in a very simplistic sense, Charter Hall is, is a small version of Goodman Group. Yeah. Um, the difference in performance over the past... Goodman has a different year, chart to that. It's, I was about to say, <laughs> the, the performance has completely gone the other way in, in, uh, in recent years. 
Uh, Goodman Group is much larger, of course. It's a top 20 stock here, and it's yeah. also much better positioned because um, as, as has turned out in, in August as well, Goodman Group is the data center stock in the share market. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to play AI through the ASX, Goodman Group is the one to do it. Charter Hall doesn't have that, but it is a fund manager still. It's um, almost by definition heavily undervalued here. Um, by default then, it pays a reasonable uh, yield. I think it's about 5% here. Uh, the only problem is, um, on one hand, there's Office. Now, Office is only part of the of the of the of the portfolio, and um, we can all speculate how much of a problem that will turn out to be eventually. But um, it probably doesn't justify the, the valuation here. But the other problem is, of course, is bond yields. And until bond markets settle and and probably uh, start trending downwards in in yeah. yield terms. Uh, I don't think child hall is moving. Okay. So if you're in there, by all means, you're buying an asset that's almost by definition undervalued, and right. then probably not the only one. That, definitely not the only so one. So you'd hold it if you're in. But it. you collect you collect the, the the distribution, and you just have to be patient. Okay. All right. It's not going bankrupt. It doesn't have uh, too much problems stacked up or anything. But sometimes these things, they just uh, there's no reason for that for the share price to move, other than yes. that it looks cheap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looks cheap because bond deals, yeah, basically, yeah. and, bond and deals the market the expects yeah. property prices yeah. to yeah. be devalued. Uh, Sean, yeah, um, <clears throat> so I really like Charter Hall Group. Um, at these prices, the dividend's about four point six percent, which is, I think, really attractive. I think the REIT market in general, I think they're all trading well below NAB at the moment because I think there's a lot of question marks from investors around how the assets are being valued. Um, it's so easy. I mean, I, I've got no doubts that the big super funds are doing this. Uh, they're going out and they're putting their own valuations on assets they own so that they can inflate their NABs. And I think that's kind of filtered down into the ASX with a lot of the listed REITs. And I know, I think we've got two or three on today. Yeah. And I think they're all trading at discounts as a result. Um, like Rudy said, I think when bond yields start to come down, I think businesses like this will start to appreciate. Um, I mean, I see upside for this thing. I thought this was a, a, a good buy mm -hmm. at ten fifty, eleven bucks. So at nine dollars fifty, I think it's yep. it, it's a really good buy. Um, great management team as well. Uh, really smart about where they buy mm -hmm. and the type of assets that they buy and invest in. Right. Um, and they had a really good annual report as well recently. Mm -hmm. So buy from me. Yeah. Buy from you. Give it an idea. This this used to be a twenty dollar stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah that five-year chart. It's, and it's now uh, nine. Mm -hmm. 27 I mean, months. Of course, people would say, like, it doesn't go back to 20. Okay, fine. If it goes to 14 or 15, you make yeah. a lot of profit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that, 2168. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. Because, uh, of all the rates, yeah. would this be your... Uh, Goodman's a bit different. It is. Um, I, but of all the traditional REITs, would this be the premier one for you? It, it would be, only because I see, well, like I said, really smart. I like the assets that they they buy. Yeah. Um, and I just see once bond yields start to come off, I think there's more upside in Charter Hall than there is in Goodman. Right. Okay. It's also because Goodman didn't come off. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. yeah. So, and I can't really see any more downside in Charter Hall from here. Okay. Mm. So. All right. Rudy, Chris. Wants a view on Washington H. Sol Patterson. Now, Chris says, I'm forever puzzled at the almost unanimous love affair 
on the panel with uh, with Sol Pats. It's always painted as consistent, pays great dividends, amazing long-term record. No doubt that is true when you go far back, capital FHAR, to make the point from Chris. Uh, but over the last five years, that's a lot less convincing. Uh, he's compared Sol Pats to BHP. He says over five years, BHP, uh, you could buy at $30.72, now $43.84, 42% capital gain. Uh, cumulative dividends received over the period, $15.70, uh, meaning 51% on purchase capital. And Chris has sent in this graph to show the difference. Uh, Sol Pats, you could have bought at $20.56, now $26.99. Capital gain of 31%, less than BHP's 42%. Um, and dividends, uh, not nearly as high either. Um, is this time for a reality check on Sol Pats? I love it, Chris. Great question. Yes, but um, it's not that simple. Um, this reminds me about... Um, well, that graph that, looks pretty simple. Yes, I know, but it isn't. It isn't, and I'm going like to explain why that is. This reminds me about the gold bugs. Right? Whether gold right. is a good investment or not depends on where's your starting point. Right. I mean, and uh, arguably, <clears throat> five years is not that long, and you have to, if you make a five-year comparison, it just depends where you put your five-year period. Right. Right? I mean, I'm old enough to know that BHP at one stage was $9. Yeah. And if you take that in your five years, at the, at the end of it or at the beginning of it, it's a big difference. In five years, not that long. Yeah? Yep. And in the, in the, what, we, what we have had, admittedly, we had very high gold prices, for, which, which, which has helped Salt Pattinson. But we've also had record high iron ore prices, uh, yep. which made temporarily BHP and Rio uh, nominally, the highest dividend payers in the world. Yeah? Right. That's in that's in the calculation now. Now that's not going to happen. I'm pretty certain that's not going to repeat itself in the next five years. Right. So you have to be careful with with playing Harry hindsight in these things. Right. And nobody predicted five years ago, even three years ago, that uh, BHP would would have this enormous boost with with iron ore going at 180 yeah. per per ton. I mean, it's and it's even today. It's surprising most people, but the fact that it's surprising so far doesn't mean it's going to surprise the next five years. Right. At one stage, I think that that's, that dynamic is going to change. So you have to be careful with where you and how you play Harry hindsight and extrapolate right. that in 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 the future. Um, I mean, I'm personally probably a little bit more skeptical about uh, Washington, but um, it goes without saying this is the most reliable dividend pay on the stock exchange. Yeah. I believe they haven't. In the past 50 years or so, they have never cut their dividends, yeah. and that is enormous. I mean, right. even APA Group can't, can't claim that, yeah. uh, and definitely not the banks. So they have that track record. Levels? It's not really my thing, and the reason for that is is um, uh, they're very much into uh, uh, fossil fuels and old economy assets. Fine, they are very good at it, but that's not really my thing. Um, I mean, if I have to choose between the old cars from yesterday or electric vehicles from tomorrow, yeah. then my choice is, is, is made in that spot. Having said so, <clears throat> you also have to take into account that that business is changing now. Yes. They are be becoming much more than simply an investor in, in listed assets. They, they just took over a company last year, I believe, and, yeah. and they're now becoming basically almost like an, a non-bank lender. Yep. So the business is changing, and by all means, uh, I think that dividend record probably will, 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 will stay. But they will have, in the year ahead, they will have lower coal prices. Yeah. And it will depress their, their profits. Okay. So, 
Hold. So hold? Hold. And there's no reason to sell it here if you Would you buy it BHP yeah. at these levels? No, because I am. I mean, I know that copper is coming. Uh, the Janssen potash is coming as well. But uh, I think worries about iron ore, even for the time being, it's still surprising. I think at some stage that will fall out of bed, right. I think. I've got a fund manager mate who says the surest way to make money is to buy BHP when it's around 40 bucks and sell it when it gets to 49 and yeah. wait till it comes back to 40 bucks because uh, it just trades in that range <laughs> the whole yeah. way. So what do you do with 37? Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm kidding. Uh, so Pat Sean? Um, look, I think the comparison, it's like comparing apples and pizzas. You know, I, One's a broad-based investment manager in a lot of different things, and one's a resource giant, a giant yep. with one real specific thing. So I don't think the comparison's fair. Mm. Um, what I will say, so Rudy's right, they haven't cut their dividend. In fact, they increase it most years. Um, and to talk about their private equity book, they've now got a 300 mm. odd million dollar private equity book in agriculture, water, engineering, uh, waste management. So they really are quite diversified. They're almost like a mini uh, mini West Farmers. Yeah. Um, and they're making, uh, what, what else are I right here? And one thing that we really like as well is the investment manager doesn't invest for now. They invest mm. with a view across multi-investment cycles. So they take a longer term view on, yep. on the assets mm. they buy. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a buy here, but it's definitely a hold. Right, okay. By right. the way, you can, you can say the same thing about BHP. They also invest for the long run, I mean. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Jensen Portage has a century ahead of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, as, uh, next stock up, up for adjudication is uh, Olivia. Uh, Sean wants a view on Iris, the big uh, uh, financial software developer database. Um, mm. Drives the, um, the data that you see on Ausbiz here as well. Sort of like yeah. an Australian mini Bloomberg type yeah. operation or something. Yeah. Um, so Iris, if you don't know, they create, they make software financial planners yeah. um, called Xplan. Xplan. Allow them to um, produce statements of advice. Um, they probably are the dominant provider of trading platforms for stockbrokers in Australia as well. Um, they come in at about half the price of a Bloomberg, yep. um, which makes it attractive. Now, they've just had a really big drop recently, and that was because they divested of their um, funds management administration business for, what was it, about 40 or 50 million bucks. Um, and I had a look at what some of the other brokers that we work with um, have put as a price target on this. Um, they put seven, nine dollars, some of the big brokers. Right. Um, I think they so had. Look at this five-year low by a yeah. long way. Oh no, no! If you go further back, it's it's. Uh, it's yeah. I it's, wouldn't be surprised if this is close to a decade low. Yeah. Well, that's the, the shares have dropped considering uh, considerably. So they've had earnings downgrades, yep. um, and they haven't been growing that much. They've got a pretty big debt stack as well, three hundred odd million dollars. I think they have a new CEO now. New CEO. Yeah, new executive too. I I see risk to about four bucks, maybe even lower here. So it's right. a sell. Okay. Ready? See, I, I, I thought at the beginning, I think I thought, like, oh, we're going to have some disagreement here. This is going to be a positive story on the other end. Um, no, I know I was quite well. I, I made the mistake a few years ago when, um, when the previous CEO announced big plans and, and obviously they couldn't execute on it. And, and I thought at the time, share price looks cheap. 
they've had a not so glorious time behind them. They're gonna they're gonna execute on this one. What I underestimated is this is actually a hollowed out a previous uh, very well run business, but it's it is underinvested for a very long time. It's basically hollowed out. It has been sitting on its laurels, and at some point that that just hits home. And and now is the time that it hits home. I actually. The, the, the danger for investors is that you hold on to companies that used to be high high quality, well regarded, yeah. Land Lease, Ramsey Healthcare, Westfield, and people hold on to those stocks for, for way too long. And I think Iris is one of those. I mean, right. Old Glory uh, used to be a great company 10, 15 years ago, and now it's really into trouble. Um, okay. The fact that private equity came along and said, look, we want to buy you. And then they extended their uh, due diligence and then said, like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're I, a seller as well? I would basically not, not even go there. And if you own it, it's never too late to sell, I would say. Okay. Or you just wait for the next bounce. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. Speaking of, um, of, of stocks that are undergoing big, big changes and in really fluid markets, um, Rudy, what do you think of Nine Entertainment? Emma wants a view on that. Uh, yeah. Nine is the eternal dilemma. Do you buy the the best house in the dilapidated street or do you or do you disregard it because the street it doesn't look very, very beautiful? Yeah. Just nine, nine, nine is probably without exception the, 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 the best media company we have on the stock exchange. Yep. But it is still a media company. And and with the with Economic slowdown. We're going to we're going to see. I mean, advertising has already fallen out of bed. Mm. Uh, I don't think advertising is going to pick up anytime soon. Um, people are cutting back on streaming services. I mean, they used to have maybe four uh, four subscriptions. Now they're thinking, which one am I going to hold? Mm. Um, if they if they choose Netflix or another one, there goes your subscription. Um, so I. I can't really see, apart from obviously the dividend will be there, uh, I mean the traditional newspapers remain under pressure. Um, it, it, is a com- it is a basket of pros and cons, but I can't really get excited given where the economic cycle is. Yep. So I would think it's a hold at best here. Okay. Sean? Yeah, <clears throat> um, look, I'm, I'm not, it's pretty hard to invest in the, the media sector right now. Um, with all the headwinds that we expect with uh, spending on advertising and things like that. Um, Rudy's point, um, I think Stan, I don't know what they contributed to their bottom line this year, but I imagine it was significant. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, but and domain. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, but domain is also... But I, yeah, REA is I, I have a view on those <laughs> businesses as well. I think we right. cover them in a, a, another company later on. Um, they've recently cut their dividend. Um, and I just think with the headwinds we see in the sector, I'm a hold at best as well. Right. Um, I think they've just increased their debt as well. Uh, and I don't know what the debt looks like, but I imagine that with the debt load they're carrying now, that's going to eat into any earnings as well um, with interest rates doing what they're doing. So, yeah, it's a hold, hold but probably okay. a sell. All right. All right. Get off the fence, hold or sell? Sell. Sell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> off the fence. <laughs> When, when you ditter just, about just a hole, exactly. it is. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> All right, uh, let's recap the uh, first five stocks and soccer day. Pilbara, uh, a buy from both Rudy and Sean. Um, with Rudy, it's not a stock that he'd have, but if you're interested in lithium stock, 
This is the best one with Alchem. Uh, long short fun, no from Rudy, hold from Sean. Uh, Charter Hall, a hold from uh, Rudy, prefers Goodman in the space by a long shot. Uh, Sean has a buy on Charter Hall, saying of all the REITs that have been discounted, traditional REITs in this space, it offers the best potential. Solpats, uh, a hold from both. Iris, a sell from both. Uh, nine, a hold from Meridi and a sell from Sean. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund. It was picked by the Investment Committee, latest Investment Committee meeting for October on the platform at the moment. Uh, going into October, a Vita Medical taken out. It's waiting distributed between Sol Pats and Altium, extra 1% there. Uh, or oh, Algium was taken out of each of Caroon, uh, Energy, Prometicus and Paladin. Another 1% of cash was spent and uh, Camplify has been brought in. Uh, let's see how the portfolio is tracking. It's up about just under 7% at the moment. Uh, this half hour, we're going to run the ruler over Oracle. Uh, Orica, rather, not Oracle, Orica, uh, Homeco Daily Needs Read, Abacus, Ventia Services, and also Pexa. Uh, Sean, Harry wants a view on Orica, the big explosives and um, uh, and uh, supplier, and also in fertilizer as well. Yeah. Um, look, I, I was watching a, a, an interview with their CEO recently um, where he came out and said the thing that not many will, that Australia just can't compete in the battery manufacturing um, in Australia. And with our union-led workforce, I, I completely agree with him. Um, I think that this is a, I, I kind of really like where this business is going and they seem to be focused now on the green um, green space and into the energy transition. Um, their explosive business is doing exceptionally well. Um, and because mining is going well, I think that's going to continue uh, to do really well for them. Um, I think it's a really well-run business, great management team. I don't see enough reason to buy, but I'd definitely hold it right. um, if you've already got some. Rudy? Um, the counter argument is that um, they're still, uh, the, the largest customer base is still coal, I think. Um, and the other thing I picked up is that um, they're having some maintenance at one of their major operations, which means they're going to miss out on all of that upside. Um, all right, guys, it's one of those, when I came to Australia t two decades ago, it was one of those high quality names on the stock exchange. And then we all realized it was actually Dulux that made it high quality and not the, not the cyclical business of the... Everyone thinks it's undervalued here. Uh, they're going to report results in, I think, two weeks, yeah. something like that. Um, it'll be key because they obviously they will have a good year this year, but it'll be key on what their forecast is for the, for the, for the next year. Um, I'm not so sure about, about uh, stacking up on, 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 uh, on cyclicals here, um, also because of the, the environment I'm looking forward to. Mm. Um, so I'm basically, I would, I would be more cautious, right. I mean, so even though, no even though it looks cheap. Yeah. Yep. Hold okay. it best, I would say. But it will be just done only for now. Right. We'll see what happens. Okay. All right, uh, next talk is uh, back to a REIT. This is the uh, Homeco Daily Needs REIT. It's part of that Homeco umbrella. This one focuses on uh, shopping centres, uh, convenience-based shopping centres, um, largest tenants, Woolworths, West Farmers, Coles. Uh, Rudy, is this a, it, it one is, of the better REITs? This is the one I own. 
Right. Uh, so that gives you an idea. Right. Um, the name says it. I mean, yeah. um, it's it's trading at a at a discount. Uh, two reasons: uh, market prices in uh, asset devaluations, and and obviously there's always uh, a debt that needs to be refinanced. Um, I think most debt refinancing for these guys is in 25, right. and by then we should see uh, bond yields lower than where they are today. I would I would argue. Um, I, I own this read because at the moment where the price is, and it has been, as you can tell, it has been recently quite quite volatile. Uh, it went from, from memory from 112 to 130 temporarily, and, and it's, it's back at 116 now. I mean, you get more than 7%, uh, I think it's 7.2 or 7.4 here, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, if on, on the assumption that, uh, and they are true to their name, they literally have assets which, which, which come into the daily needs of people. So it's not just uh, uh, a, a, a mire or, or anything. Or or, or, yeah. or, I mean, um, so those assets should hold their value. There should not be a problem in uh, in in terms of the debt refinancing, and uh, and those 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 distributions they stand. Yeah. I mean, there's probably not not a lot of growth in there, but hey, you're getting you're getting seven point something uh, paid out. Plus, if bond yields settle. Mm-hmm. You you get the extra in in return, so that's yeah. that's why it's sitting there for me. It's a, it's a relatively large holding in my in my distribution compartment, right. and I'm quite happy holding it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Um, look, I I think it's a relatively well run company. Um, one thing I'm not sure about, I spoke about it with Charter Hall, um, is I th- I think the market's probably putting in a discount to the value of the of the assets. And for some reason, when I look at this one, I think they're overvalued or the, the, the company have overvalued the assets. Um, when they announced uh, not long ago, their occupancy levels are, are relatively good and they're probably industry leading. Um, the board put in some hedges against interest rate rises, which yeah. is really smart. And I actually didn't realize that, that they don't have to refinance for another 10 years or so. So mm. um, that's really important, isn't it? It is. Uh, with um, stocks that have high debt levels. Yeah. Now you've got to go into the notes of the annual report to see when's the corporate cliff <laughs> yeah. that, that they're going to experience, like yeah. so many Australians with a mortgage cliff. Uh, if they've got cheap borrowings, where does it roll over to the high levels? Yeah. Which is significant. Yeah, I'm at 10 years, and, and really, I, I agree with him. Um, bond yields will be significantly lower by yeah. then, or well, they should be, or there'll be a, an opportunity to refinance before. Yeah. Um, beforehand. So they're pretty well set up in terms yeah. of their debt levels. Yeah, yeah. so I, the big question mark I have around here, I, I agree with Rudy that I don't think the valuation of this business will rise significantly in the near term. It does have an attractive yield at over 7%, yeah. but if you're a yield investor, I just think that there are better yielding opportunities out there. I mean, with the risk-free rate of cash where it is, you can pick up Commonwealth Bank pool notes and pick up more than this. So right. um, for me, it's... Oh, unless you're just there for the yield, it's a, a hold, but I'm more a, a sell and buy something with a little bit more upside. So you'd go sell. switch out of this into Charter Hall? I would, yeah. Right. Okay. All right, next stock uh, on the agenda. Um, um, another REIT as well. We've got a couple. Obviously, everyone's really focusing on these because I have been hammered. Um, Ethan wants a view short on Abacus. Yes in commercial office space, but it's also self-storage as well. Was. No, no it was. Was, was. Right. so 
this is the reason it just got smashed. So this mm. for me is sell, sell, sell. Right. They've just divested yeah. of their biggest asset, Storage King. Um, and that's what made them attractive. And, and right. that's what made them attractive. So yeah. as a result of this demerger, uh, they've fallen out of the ASX 200. So all the index funds have just had to, uh, right. when's the rebalance? It might've just happened. Or just happened, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so there's been a hell of a lot of selling. So why'd they do that? Seems strange if uh, in this market, cause you've got, you've got national storage doing yeah, quite yeah. well, isn't it? Holding yeah, up yeah. because of that that this, point of difference. This, and this one and I, there's a childcare this, REIT as well, isn't yeah, there? Which this is one I performed right. national storage, but there was always this discussion whether the storage assets were, were, were accurately reflected in the price. Yeah. Uh, and of course, if you separate them, there's no discussion anymore. Right. They are separate. Oh, okay. But then the problem is that it, it highlighted what is left yeah. and people don't think that's very attractive. No, look at that. Yeah, yeah no, uh, you're, you're right. I, I just don't see any reason to hold this any, anymore. I don't see any strong support from the institutions because they're effectively just an office uh, landlord now. And again, go back to Charter Hall or um, if that's the sort of exposure you want. Um, no reason to hold it, sell. Gee, you've got to be selective these days in this yes. system, yeah, don't it, you? Yes. Really selective. You do. And this is this is the challenge facing investors. There are just so many things out there like this and there's so much choice, but mm. not enough advisors speak about the issues sitting behind some of these the, right. these REITs about their yeah. like their debt loads, like yeah. the cost of that yeah. you know, and when you when you line them up side by side um, and you have a look at all those things, it's really easy to identify the ones with strength. Yeah. yeah. This has got nothing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you're, and you're right. When the whole sector is on, on its knees, basically, yeah. it, does, it does pay off that to, to understand they're not all equal. Right? Yeah. And the one, that, the one I've been following in recent years is, is, is um, Odamco Westfield, uh, Unibail. I mean, they, they look cheap all the way down. Right? Yeah. And if you look how much they've come down, it's absolutely amazing. Right? Yeah. And obviously, that's. Because the market understand that's a company in trouble basically, and they have too much debt, and um, and they need to invest or sell off assets. Who would have thought anything to do with Westfield yeah. would get into trouble? Yeah, you know, the, the the best decision you could have made in any Westfield product was to get out when the lowies got out. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And there's, there's there's more reads. I mean, Cromwell, for example, is looking to sell assets, right? right? And that's some of those reads will have to do that. They need but, to but you look at that chart. And it just shows you, you do need to be on top of your portfolio constantly, don't you? And well, constantly forward. is a big call, but you, you need to be aware when, when changes kick in, when, when things yeah. change. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a little bit not correct because you should actually have the storage unit next to it. And yet you would have got And you have, you have you both have because you got both. Yeah. You got both. Yeah. It's yeah. like PHP yeah. and SAR32. But, um, it's, but still, I mean. So um, would you go into the storage? Yeah, I probably would, yes, uh, but I, I haven't looked what the share price is and what it has done and stuff like that. But, right. but the likes of National Storage has, has been a great performer over time. It means basically a wall-up. Uh, they constantly issue capital, but they constantly buy assets. And, um, and, I, I, and they've done the same thing while they, they, they own, this is Storage King, which we sometimes see yes. when you, yeah. and, and, and obviously they do the same thing. They constantly buy new, new assets and, and it's a growth. The growth is actually mega trend. I mean, yeah. we need constantly more and more storage, mm. and um, and the, so there's always there's constantly a a shortage, and right. so these guys have the wind in the sails. Yeah? So yeah. 
on that premise, and if you want to have a strong business model and you're looking for read with distribution, then storage would be one of those mega trends right. that you probably will have in the portfolio. So if you're an Abacus shareholder and you've got your shares in the in both, storage yeah. ver version of it, would you be like Sean and say, hey, sell Abacus, keep your storage ones? and or, or sometimes someone else comes along and snaps it up because right. they are now a relative, they've been kicked out of the index. They're now a relatively small player. Right. And what's left is, is actually, it's, it's a mini right. read now. So it may well be share price falls far enough, someone says, I'll have it. Yeah, yeah, that's in the lap of the gods though. So, so what would you, would you sell? <sighs> yeah, probably. Right. Okay. Gee, that was a big sigh, wasn't it? <laughs> it was like sort of selling off one of your children. No. <laughs> well, no, it's because I because I, I don't own it in the first place. And, yeah, yeah. and yes, I do like the storage, uh, the, the, yeah. the storage story because that's actually so as I said, story, it's so. a mega trend. And keep that. Okay. Uh, our next stock, Rudy Aiden Montevue on Ventia Services, the uh, mm. the big infrastructure maintenance group, yeah. uh, contract out workforces. Yeah. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure whether I would use the word big in, in the description of them. Oh, okay. I think they're a small camp. And, yeah. and I think. It's got 35,000 people. Yeah, no. Not on the books. books. I know. But they all get. They all get Paid a little bit, <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I mean the share price looks cheap here, yeah, and 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 they're not listed for a very long time, but they, they've consistently grown their dividends and, and and their business while they're listed. Um, I suspect that one of the reasons that the share price is where it is is because it's small cap, right? And like this year, the share market, you can you can easily see how how the money flow has gone. Large caps have outperformed, mid caps yep. have underperformed, small caps have underperformed the mid caps, and then the micro caps have, have underperformed everything else. Uh, that's a, yeah. not too bad. No, as I said, it's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, it's cheap, it looks cheap here. Uh, management is confident about uh, growth in the year ahead. They're, they're flagging up to 10%. That's a net profits, not an, not an earnings per share. Um, I think it's, it's simply a case of you just have to just have to wait for, for things to turn. It's a small right, cap, right. and there's no money flow in small caps. And you just wouldn't be in small caps well, you, generally yeah, at the moment. Oh, yeah, well, exactly. You have to be selective. Yep. Yes. Okay. But not this one. Sean? Um, I really like this business. Um, hmm. People might be aware that um, this company was started 50 years ago. Um, they only listed recently, though, um, and they've been demonstrating constant growth with the infrastructure spend and projects that we have going on. Yeah. Um, they've been doing well and they'll continue to do well. Um, I think one of the reasons for the big uh, for the recent drops was their private equity shareholder Apollo mm. recently mandated, I think it was Barajo Insures, to sell uh, 125 million shares at $2.65. Mm. Right. And I think that's just completed. Oh, that's, a, that's a big overhang, is that? Big chunk. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a big chunk. Um, cab, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I actually think. Why did they do that? Yeah, also, why, why are they obviously a little bit worried that they don't get the same price next year? Yeah. Well, they've, they've still got 175 million yeah. shares, so this, right. this got more than their money back. Right. Um, and Apollo, they're, 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 there's a lot of really good opportunities, yeah. distressed opportunities in the private equity space. Um, and with interest rates high, leveraged buyouts are getting expensive. So mm, if you can right. realise some profit um, and and pick up some of these distressed asset, mm. assets cheaply, right. I think that's their strategy. They still hold 150 mm. or 170 odd million shares. So I guess there's some risk. Um, 
but it's trading at, uh, what did I say? Uh, it's trading at a P of 12, 13 times. Mm. Um, I actually think this is a really well-run business and I see a decent amount of upside from here, especially given that the block trade's just finished. So right. I, I'm a buyer. Okay, all right. Buy for Vintia. All right, our final stock uh, <laughs> is um, Sean Peter wants a view on Pexa Group, the uh, digital conveyancing, real estate conveyancing platform. It's um, had an interesting uh, couple of months. Um, uh, it was queried by the ASX on how they got some of their profits. It uh, does a conveyancing for Combank, who I think is a shareholder. In major shareholder. Pexa, major yep. shareholder yep. in Pexa. There's a competitor that kept complaining that, you know, about some of their practices. Um, Look, I'm actually really familiar with this company. Um, they've recently formed a JV with one of the Came unlisted. Came out of Link, didn't it? Was it Link Administration? Yeah. Uh, it was spun out of yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, was, this, this was the pearl in, in, inside Link. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, Pex is a dominant player in Australia. They've got yeah. 88% of the market. Right. Um, and they really have. If you have a look at uh, property settlements in other Torrens Titles countries, the PEXA um, settlement facility, it's minimised the risk of transactions falling over significantly. Yeah. Um, so I think the failure rate in Australia uh, from the states that use PEXA, it's under 1%. Um, they've just uh, made an acquisition in London um, where it is a basket case, their settlement uh, process for properties, where the failure rate's about 7 or 8%. Oh, that's uh, having a daughter that... <laughs> lives in London, they've just heard her husband just sold a property. What did she say? It was lucky they weren't part of a train or something. Is it's been legislated that if, you know, somebody sells a property and buys a new one, yeah. the seller of the new one, um, uh, if their buyer falls over because the settlement is delayed on the original one, then delays the entire chain. Yeah. And yeah. it can be an absolute nightmare. And I had no idea. Yeah, it, it is a basket case. And I think PEXA solve a really big problem. Um, as you can probably tell I like the business. Um, yep. I've become familiar with it because they've uh, recently- had a big fall though, has it? Um, it it Link, did. Link got their money out, it ran 20 bucks. Over, that yeah. was good yeah. for Link at the it, time. But, but look at what happened to the Link share price. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A bit, like, a bit like Abacus getting rid of storage, I suppose. But yeah. Uh, yeah. even at these Look, levels, that's still... Well, it, I, I think I've got a bit of an idea based on the fact they've just formed a JV with one of the prop tech, unlisted prop tech businesses that we're invested in. Right. Um, and it looks like through Pexa Digital, uh, which is one of their subsidiaries, looks like they're going to make a play to take on core logic in data sales in Australia. So they've just released the PEXA property report, which is really interesting. So you, it's on their website now. And it's got, um, I think, the comparable report from core logic uh, costs about a thousand bucks. This thing's 30 and right. it's got more up to date sales. It's got a more accurate uh, estimated sale price for your property because they're working off PEXA data, not delayed mm -hmm. data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think Ray White uses it. Um, all, of them, all of them yeah. use CoreLogic, even uh, CBA, who are right. PEXA's biggest shareholder. Right. Um, but I think with what they're trying to do, and I think they're going to make a move into all the other Torrens titles uh, jurisdictions uh, because their product is really good. My wife's a, con um, a lawyer and a conveyancer, and right. this is what she uses. 
Um, and I was asking her her views on this uh, last night. Um, I, I think the small loss that they posted last year in their report uh, results um, was a result of their spending on new infrastructure. I actually see a lot of upside for here, especially mm. if they can crack the data sales um, a, a, a portion of the data market um, in real estate. I think it's a buy and there's okay. a lot of upside. Oh, that's interesting. Rudy? Yeah, I think it's one of those examples where the, the, the share market is focusing on, on different things. Um, one of the, I think, one of the things that um, the share market is focusing on is, is it the housing market in general. Uh, less transactions, uh, there was going to be a downturn, etc., etc. Mm. Um, the other, the other item of disappointment, I think, is they, um, <clears throat> they obviously, because they have such a large market share in Australia, they moved into the UK. They see the obvious opportunity, but um, <clears throat> there's a couple of things there. Most Australian companies going to the UK, they come back with a tail between the legs mm. after spending a lot of money. And the second thing is, UK market is not quite similar, and they're going to incur quite some losses in in, in the first instance. Uh, you saw the share price going down when they announced an acquisition, because the market goes like, ah, so you're buying another company in the UK, which also is not profitable, and you're not profitable either, you're going to pay up for that. So right. in the first instance, all negative news, um, but um, if these guys are worth their salt, you would expect that with the pickup in the housing market locally, because it's not going, it's not going to fall into the crack market no. here, that that should at some point be reflected in the share price. And if you give them the benefit of the doubt and they get in three to four years, maybe five years time, their business on in profitable territory in the UK. I mean, I remember when, when Technology One went into the UK, it took them five years, I believe, mm. to, to become profitable. Um, I mean, if you if you combine that and on the assumption that they do the things right, this, this should be a much, much better business in years okay. to come. And the share price should be higher because the share price has come quite off a yeah, lot. Yeah. Now, having said so, there's, there's also an element about timing. I'm not so sure where that's going to happen anytime soon. We might have to wait until they maybe, maybe August next year when they come right. out with a better result okay. or something like that. But um, they do pay dividends or they're supposed to pay. Um, so you have a little bit money to wait and you're definitely not sitting on something that's overvalued. Right. Okay. So if you're in it, hold it, but not necessarily put new money in. Well, you can, but you have. To, I think you have to be patient because okay. the market is now in in a state of mind going like, when are you going to be profitable in the UK? Well, so would not, we not. have agreement on ES here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, For, yeah. But be patient. Yes. Okay. All right. Two bubble double buys for the uh, the day from the panel with Pilbara as we kicked off the show. Uh, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Orica, no from Rudy, hold from Sean. Um, Homeco daily needs a sell from Sean. He'd um, he'd switch into uh, into Charter Hall. A hold from Rudy. Abacus a sell from both. Ventura no from Rudy. Uh, a buy from Sean and a double buy on Hector. Sean, good to see you. Thank you for that. Thanks, and Rudy. Really likewise, good to have you aboard. Good. <clears throat> and we're going to finish on time just to make that point. Uh, if you'd like any stocks for us to cover, uh, go to osbiz.call slash uh, Put any questions or queries like Chris did earlier about salt bats. That was a great question. Or tweet us using the at TV handle. Stick around. The Pulse is next. <laughs> We'll be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.